I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Santa Rosa Fangs. That is the music of my guest today on the program, Matt Costa. Let me tell you a little bit about Matt Costa. To best understand the origin story of how Matt Costa got into music, I think it's important to summon Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. You know that one. It's the one that goes, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A high school English class flashback you didn't ask for. But relax. I'm not here to talk about the poem, but rather how the poem got written. Because the fact is, Robert Frost wasn't writing that poem when he wrote that poem. Laboring over a piece for what seemed like ages, Frost, a little frustrated, went outside to have a smoke. And guess what he saw? That's right. Two roads diverging in a yellow wood. And he was struck with instant inspiration. He finished his cigarette, or he didn't, I don't know, and he went back inside and wrote what was to become one of poetry's biggest hit singles ever. As for the other poem he was working on, who cares? The point of all this is, he did something amazing while he was trying to do something else. And the same can be said for Matt Costa. When Costa was 18, the Robert Frost thing happened to him. No, he wasn't taking a smoke break while working on a poem. He was a skateboarder on the cusp of a pro career. But a miscalculated staircase jump left him with a mangled ankle and a bone from his leg sticking through the skin. A series of surgeries and setbacks made it clear that Costa's skating career was over. But while he was laid up in bed, he started playing guitar writing songs, and listening to a lot of Donovan. It did take a while, but when he healed and was able to walk again without pain, Costa had a satchel of songs and a newfound purpose. By the time he turned 20, the Huntington Beach native had turned back from his chosen career path and followed an entirely new one altogether. From there, Costa started writing songs at a furious pace, and his 2003 demo, got into the hands of Tom Dumont of No Doubt. They became friends, and Costa recorded his first two EPs at Dumont's home studio. Costa's debut album, Songs We Sing, came out in 2005. 
And not only did the critics love it, Jack Johnson loved it. He loved it so much, he took Costa with him on tour. And suddenly, Costa found himself far from home and in front of large crowds in Australia, New Zealand, Asia, and South America. Now, Costa's tour with Johnson had given him a lot of exposure, but 2008's Unfamiliar Faces gave him a whole lot more. Aside from his music showing up in movies like I Love You Man, Youth in Revolt, and Marmaduke, he also had a song featured in an Apple commercial for the iPhone 3GS. And with all this momentum on his side, Costa just kept going. He hit back fast with 2010's Mobile Chateau and 2013's self-titled effort. A critical darling, by then he'd toured the world with the likes of Oasis, Modest Mouse, Death Cab for Cutie, and Ryan Adams, and he'd done some recording with Bell and Sebastian. And then, after a furious and productive 10-year run, Costa slowed down a bit. Well, not exactly slowed down, but shifted gears. Costa recorded four EPs that were sonically experimental and far more conceptual than his past work. Employing soundscapes and cinematic flourishes, on these EPs, Costa's narrative sensibility had clearly undergone a discernible evolution. And that evolution brings us to Santa Rosa Fangs. Boasting the hushed pop finesse of Elliot Smith and the lush precision of Roddy Frame's surf, Santa Rosa Fangs is a swirling song cycle that focuses on the life of a young woman named Sharon, whose wins and losses are set against the backdrop of the nuanced geography of California. From the aching pull of Pacific Grove to the marching, wistful pop of Time Tricks, Santa Rosa Fangs effortlessly captures the rich textures of Northern and Southern California with novelistic dexterity. And speaking of novelistic, the album came out in May, but Danger Bird has just released the novella edition, which features new narration by Costa, B-sides, and interstitial cuts. The novella edition makes the rich listening experience of Santa Rosa Fangs even richer, the album stretches out like an aural roadmap of California, and as the songs traverse its landscape, the effect is that of instant sonic sepia, as if you're remembering memories you never had, but that which feel uniquely yours. Santa Rosa Fangs is semi-autobiographical, and it stems from stories both real and imagined, and the result is a rendering of California that presents the state with mythic cruelty and soulful salvation. But here's the truth about California. It's both of those things. Look, like Matt Costa, I'm a California native, and I can tell you this, it's a complicated place. We have the most progressive cities in the world, and we have the most conservative. You can surf and ski on the same day. We have vistas of boundless freedom, and we have soul-crushing traffic. We gave you Nixon... But we also gave you Jerry Garcia. You get the idea. But the point is this. California is a mythic ideal and a heartless reality all at once. It's stunning and stinging and relentlessly elusive. But it's home. And in this chat, Matt Costa and I talk about what it means to be from California. What it means to be a California artist and why it's so hard to pin this state down. Enjoy my conversation right here with Matt Costa on Stereo Embers, the podcast. 
but I also think it's interesting how how you know like so many different people come from everywhere and uh and sort of make California make it their own you know it's like it's it's a you know you come out here and when people talk about things being Californian well it is like the idea of it's kind of whatever you can like whatever you can make of it you know and and I think that um like if you think about even like when you think about sort of and if you just take like music for example like in the 60s or something and 70s like sort of like um like Crosby Stills and Nash like having this sort of like Laurel Canyon sort of sound but I mean not you know with like Neil Young being from Canada and Graham Nash being from the UK and all these people like defining something that like is actually only happens when you come here and it's something that I think is a spirit of something that is the idea of something or even an old like blues songs or whatever like you know they're, they're singing blues in Chicago but talking about the land of California as a sort of gold promised land and so all those things I think uh, sum up what um, you know the idea of what it what it can be in the mind and, and so that's where the uh, uh, I think that's where the inspiration comes from as far as symbolically yeah and it's sort of it's one of those things where it's just the promise is so alluring to people of course yeah I mean around the you know um, around the world you know California has that that um, um, connotation to it so and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I don't know. But then the thing about this, the thing for me though was easy to like to um, to sort of write about it and define it because it was just sort of, you know, I'm from here and these are just experiences that I that I have from from growing up here, and it's and uh, and at the same time, I guess they could be they could be anywhere. You know, I'm not necessarily latching onto it, saying like that it ha- that it um, that it has to be California, but it's. It's just what I've known and what I've grown up in, and and uh, so so it is that you know for me it is, and I think that if it embodies the thing that like that other people the the sort of the promise or even the defeat that some people experience here, um, then then that's what it is. So. Your your album is literally like driving up and down the coast uh, of of both your psyche. And the actual locale, uh, you know, the actual literal coast, which is not an easy accomplishment. It's it's such a cool thing that you do. Well, thank you, thanks so much. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it it definitely, um, it definitely, uh, I, I definitely, you know, try to try to try to channel those things. I mean, the the cities and things like that obviously are, you know, references that that make that. And I think that. Um, um, and like I said, I've done that for many, many years, you know, as far as my life just going up and down. And so I feel like it's sort of conceptually put it into this record and it, uh, it just felt real natural. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you have like the song, like, um, like I, I kind of chose symbolically Pacific Grove because of like Steinbeck having a cottage there for writing. And I live in Laguna Beach right now. And there's also like within a mile from where I live, there's a um, there's one of the cottages where he wrote the Pastures of Heaven in, and it's very similar looking to the one that he wrote in at Pacific Grove, and it's also um, right right off of another Mermaid Avenue, which is uh, which is kind of funny, which is they're both off of Mermaid Avenue within a block from there, and um, so um, 
you know that and then also with the santa rosa with santa rosa fame i mean even the title of that santa rosa um obviously being a city up north but i think even like i feel like it was one of those one of those um name or one of those um one of those names too that i started as i started paying closer attention um i started seeing that it popping up everywhere every like in every city i was in there was like a santa rosa street or santa rosa creek or all these things that that it also like came up and down the coast and and it's also to me very um it's also um you know the idea of like all the um cities being named you know obviously hispanic influence and and um and that in itself seems very California too. And, and those are things, you know, that I, that I just grew up with, you know, as a kid, you had to like make models of missions and things like that. So I think it was ingrained in my head early on that those things kind of drove me up and down the coast as well, at least the knowledge of it. I remember those, uh, those mission assignments. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny, but those things like, I mean, those uh, really, you know, those, those young things are really like impressionable. And then I think about things like, you know, there's like the, I like that, you know, but I think underneath it, there is like a darkness to those, um, you know, to all those things. And like, even the way, like, I think about those missions, the way like um, Hitchcock even used it. And, um, uh, and so like how she jumps off of the, uh, the bell tower, yeah. things like that. There's all these sort of like those, the California symbology and those like, are deep within um, storytelling. And so uh, anyways, yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned storytelling. You've talked about Hitchcock. We've talked about Steinbeck you've mentioned Kerouac. Um, you know, it, to me, I was thinking so much about Tommy Keene's record songs from the film. Um, there is no film, but, but there are songs. And I was thinking about Santa Rosa Fangs is almost like the soundtrack to a book, but there really isn't a book. Um, but I think there, I think there could be, this is such a novelistic, uh, album from beginning to end did you when you were conceiving of it did you think of it did it did it come to you in a linear way no no it didn't come to me it came to me like in a sense where um you know i guess i'd been collecting a lot of these you know these ideas throughout my own experiences for a long time and and even through um not only my own experiences but uh people around you know people that i've that have been around me that i've encountered and so but um, it now it's like in the story, it's like a song, you know, when you, when you write a song, the song sort of starts to, the song sort of starts to take on a life of its own. And, um, and even beyond you, it's like everyone has their own, um, it starts to live on its own and create new, um, experiences on its own. And, you know, from writing songs for a long time, I've realized that. But when I started doing this, I came off the heels of doing a, um, doing some more film stuff, um, than I'd done before. So I was in this very, like, I'd always thought about music as being really visual. I knew that when, when I see the visual idea come into my mind from chords and lyrics together or sonically, I see a visual, then I realize, okay, that's what I need to stick to. That's the, there's something there. And then with that, then you try to make it, you know, swing and move like a song should. But, um, with this, uh, with this record, it was like, I started with, um, I guess the main character, Sharon, um, is, uh, I start, it started off as like a, as a mental, like sort of tick, you know, when I was young, like 20 years ago, I had this repeating phrase in my head that was nonsensical. It was like Duran, Duran, Sharan, Duran. And a couple of years ago, I realized 
when I went to write this, it, it, it surfaced. It was like, Sharon, Sharon, Sharon. And I was like, oh, that's Sharon. Okay. <laughs> and I realized that she's going to be the main character. And then from there, then I, um, um, I had already written, I remember it well. And then I realized, okay, well, I'm remembering this person this time. And um, then I started to realize that she also you know, the two, the two brothers that she has, which are Richie and Tony, who, you know, come to a tragic end. That's a, that's a family story of my two cousins. Um, and, um, I, I, uh, sort of like an, you know, in a ballad, you know, a ballad, traditional sort of ballad sort of sense. And, um, and I realized that she was tortured by the loss of them and she puts up this guard. And, and then I realized that I'm sort of like, you know, I can empathize with her, but I'm also like coming into her presence and she discloses herself to me. And I learn about myself through her, just like you do with, with a song or any book or things like that. And so, but I was writing it at this time and then it all started to unfold. And there's another song on the record called The Phosphorescent Letter. And that one came about from another outside um, experience where it, it hadn't, it wasn't my own experience. It wasn't um, Sharon's experience. It was the guy who owns the record store, um, in Long Beach where I've always, anytime I put out a record, I always premiere my, uh, you know, the first show there. And he's always been really supportive. Even before I put out a record, I put out like EPs and, or I'd buy records there before I even made my own. And so, um, years and years ago when I started making my own music, I had met his daughter and she was really young at the time. And she was, she was really young and now she's grown up and she's moved off to Australia, but getting to know him and getting to know her. Um, he came to me one time and told me about how he's like, um, I was like, how's Ella doing? And, uh, and, uh, Ella after Ella Fitzgerald, that's how he named her after him. She, uh, she had started dating someone online that she had uh, met online, but they lived in Australia. And then I started realizing that there was like, I had another cousin who did that who started dating someone in China who she had met online and all these other people who had been putting like emotional connections into things that were so distant and far. And I wondered like why that was like to fall in love with someone that you've never met. It seemed like very contemporary, but also like also sort of protective of your own emotions at the same time, you're putting emotions into sort of tech, you know, trusting it within the sort of tech, technology is the binding force of, in the catalyst for your relationship. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So then I realized that, um, you know, once, uh, at a certain point, um, you know, Sharon sort of like in order to guard herself from love, uh, she, she, she forms sort of a long distance relationship at a certain point with another thing with someone else and via, you know, via the internet and things like that. So, but, uh, all these things, they come about from these different places and experiences. Was this the first time that you wrote this way? Like how the architecture is sort of emerging, like it's kind of announcing itself the more you think about it. Um, is that a new form of process for you? Um, I would say, I would say that, uh, I, um, well, I don't know. I knew that, like, I did know that I wanted to have a large, like I knew that the, the rec this record would uh, have more of a, um, a binding force to all the songs. I mean, I think any record I do, I try to have that. But I think that when I was younger, when I wrote my first record, um, I think 
because of limited experience and limited abilities. You know, you're only, you can only, you've only been playing a certain amount of time. And so you're kind of, you're contained for those reasons, you know, sort of reasons that are outside of um, just limitations of your own experience and abilities. And so as, as I've gotten older, I've always wanted to write, you know, I've always tried to write songs and, and do things that pushed myself and, and were catalyst into a new direction. And so, um, you know, five records in and like 15 years later, um, then I came, I was, uh, when I sat down to write this record the year before I had done that, uh, some, like I said, the film work and then I'd done these EPs, which I was really trying to focus on like more like narrowing conceptual ideas. Cause as you learn more and as you experience more, they can really spread out and become like, you know, harder to focus. And so I knew that this thing needed to be really, really focused like that. And so, um, so as it was coming together, I, I was, I was always just consistently trying to like, or constantly trying to make sure that each thing served its purpose and narrowed and told, told more about, um, every other part of the story. And it, and it is meant to be, you know, like sort of, sort of, yeah, the soundtrack to this, to this film or this book. And, um, but there was no, there was, that wasn't there, but I saw it and, um, the storyline did, did reveal itself in that sense. But I've never, I guess, but before it was always a song by song kind of basis. And now I started to realize, okay, how does this, how does the whole thing actually play into this, into this big, big visual? At least I was more, I think I was more aware of it this time. Before it was always just sort of, um, by default, but this one was actually by design. Yeah, because there does seem to be a discernible beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, that's true. And I and now the thing is, I'm going to be writing. A, I started writing. A, I did start writing a screenplay with a friend of mine for it, and so we're going to make it into a make it into a, a feature, like a feature film, and and the the things with it as well. Like I feel like there's a um, a lot of the, you know, where, where think the story, uh, the, the story and the songs allude to, um, it's been really fun now too, because then I can elaborate on those more. Cause I think that I do, I do like the idea of where, you know, the, the lyrics and things can lead you in certain directions, but I think, um, I think now it'd be nice to, I'm going to, I'm really having, going to have fun, like plant, putting visuals to it and putting, you know, other storylines with inside of it. And, um, and working on that as a creative, um, creative outlet. So this, so it lives on even further. How are you creatively? Do you find that you are, where are you now versus 15 years ago? Do you feel that the areas that you used to struggle with or the parts that you used to, um, you know, that used to be a place maybe you would creatively would steer you in a, in a direction that was hard to reverse from. Uh, I'm a writer. I have those same impulses where I go, oh, I'll do this and I get myself in trouble. But I, I'm so much better now at getting myself out of trouble than getting in trouble. But do you feel that you are in more command of of getting to the heart of what what you want to get to better than you've ever been? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like that I definitely can, um, I always, I mean, I've always tried to write, I've, I've tried to write maybe I'm for myself, you know, I've always tried to write things that were, um, that I, 
and maybe not even knowingly at the time that I, that I had to grow into, you know? So it was like these experiences and things sort of like, I can put all my own experience and all my own knowledge into it. But at the same time, uh, like I felt like, I feel like it's not really worth it unless you, you grow with it or I grow with it. And so I feel like to me, you need to like, if you're not growing with it, then, um, and you're not challenged by it, then, um, then there's really like, you kind of, you do have to, I feel like you have to struggle with it and find these, uh, find, find the reasons why it, um, needs to exist. And those are like, I think those are parallel with our own existence. You know, if you can't, if you don't, I, cause I do struggle, you know, to find like, what is, you know, what is, what is the reason that this song needs to exist? What's the reason why this record needs to exist? What's the reason why I need to exist? And, and I think at times they, you know, they, um, they are parallel. And I think that these, um, um, if, and I do, I do think, yeah, getting out of, getting out of trouble or something when you, when you get yourself down a pathway, but I find like there's always, there's always something that I can, um, you can find in like even a, a mistake or you can like, or even letting something just be like not struggling for a word at a time when you need to like, when you, when you're writing, even you're writing prose or something, just like skip over it because it's like probably that word is you're overthinking it anyway. And if you come back to it, sometimes you don't, you realize, Oh, I didn't even need that word there. It works fine without it. Just things like that. Um, you know, I guess it's just a bunch of like tricks that you learn along the way. And then, uh, they kind of help you, help you, uh, help you define, help you define how, uh, you know, how you're going to, how you're going to uh, tell tell your story, but you know, obviously there are a lot of there's a lot of tricks. You know, it's like putting something in um, certain meters or certain swing or things like that. I mean, all that stuff is a little more scientific, but they work. I think the main thing really just comes down to like, um, you know, trying to put something that has um, content in it, but also not get in your own way. You know what I mean? You can get. I felt like um, that's why when I see the visual in my head of the film. I let that kind of like, I'd hope the song like um, inspires someone else's visual in their mind and not let too much of my, my own story get in their way, but just enough to like provoke them to like, to step into that realm as well. And I don't know, I don't really have an answer for it, you know, as far as like getting in and out of like, that I've gotten better or worse at it. Um, I think I've gotten better at it. I would hope so, you know, but there's things that you, when you're really early out starting on that, um, you know, you're more free with certain things. And I felt like as you get older, you have more, when you have more experience, then there's like those limitations are less because you have more, but I still think you need those, those confines of the limitations in order to keep, um, to keep it focused, you know, cause there's a million ways to explain, a, you know, to explain a, uh, you know, the, I guess what would be the context of a chord or like why it me, you know, what it, what it means, you know, the theory of it or something, or just like what a poem means or things like that. And you can like, you can search all these different places for it, but ultimately you just have to say like, um, you know, what does it mean to you? And and then you just commit to it. You know, I think that's the thing is like making those committed decisions as the thing that, that makes the, makes it stand. You know, I was going to ask you the, like if I do a reading from, uh, I put a book of poems out called Emergency Anthems, and if I like, I did a reading last oh. week, and it. Cool. I but I remember like as I was reading Matt, I was editing 
like I was I think I was taking words out and putting new ones in and I was like oh man as you were reading it to the audience yeah yeah like I would I would like take a word out you know I'd go like oh I go oh man why did I put that and I just substitute in another word or I would just omit a word altogether which nobody's gonna notice it but for me I just thought oh that's 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 a better that would have been a better choice can you understand well no no better choice though in the moment though because like I agree with you. I think like in the moment, it means something different, you know, in that moment it does mean, and that's, what's really like, I mean, that's the difference between like performance and a recording. And that's like sort of jazz or something. Or if you think about that Ferlinghetti, I forget the title of the, yeah, Ferlinghetti poetry as insurgent art, that one, he like, you know, keeps revising it. And so it's like, I don't think you should be, um, you know, there's no reason that you just have to be limited to this, like one version of something. I mean, it's meant it, it does. It does grow, and it grows in your own. Uh, it grows in your own, uh, in your own perception of it too. And that's like, you should, it's not. It's great to not feel binded by that. And do you find that when you're playing the songs live, do you find yourself also sort of riffing or, uh, or taking it in a different direction? Of course, yeah, yeah. Not like, I mean, it's it's not like I'm changing something to like a reggae version or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's something different, but. But you know what I mean? Like if I'm if I'm down at the beach or something and I have a set, I'm not like, Hey guys, we're gonna do this one, uh, you know, like, you know, whatever, like Jimmy Cliff style or something like that. But <laughs> I think that uh I think that yeah, I'll elaborate on parts and parts like definitely when you when you play them live. Well one thing about these songs though, on the new record I do feel I do feel that uh that they're really impactful live and um and I, they they were designed they were designed that way designed to be sort of yeah designed to have that quality to them and so so now when I am playing them live night after night I do feel like that they're coming across coming across strong but obviously when you when you have different players around and and you can yeah you can you can riff on things or change things around or um, you realize that one part works really well so you want to just extend it and do those things. Um, yeah, all that stuff I think is more is different than a record. You know, that's like that's all just performance. So I think a performance is um, is very different than a, than a live recording as far as being limited to. When I first started songwriting, when I was young and I had my four track and I'd record, and then I took it over to my friend's house. I gave them the tape. I think I might have bounced it down to like a CD or something like that, but it was like a little Tascam thing. And then I make CDs of it. And then I gave it to my friends and I was like, here, you know, you can listen to this. I liked the idea of just, you know, having this, I like the idea of having that contained thing. And that's why I continue to make records because, um, because I think that that in itself is, it's, is it's, is its own should exist like that. And you can, and it's nice to capture it there and have, have that exist. Um, but I remember when I, when they would ask me to play those songs live, you know, sit down in like a, in a living room with them and they'd be like, well, play that song for me. I like that song. And I'd play it and it would be different. And then I would struggle with that. I'd be like, well, I don't want it to be different. I want it to be exactly like this thing. Um, and, and then I realized once I got comfortable realizing that, yeah, it's going to be different and it's going to take on these different fluctuations and it's not going to be perfect every time. I hope that it, you know, um, that it comes across with the same intent that, I wanted it to, but sometimes it comes across with more and sometimes it comes across with less. Sometimes it comes across different, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen when you're in that moment. You know, you could be a little more caffeinated. You could be a little more 
drunk. You could be a little more sad. You could be a little more happy. You could be a little more melancholy, all these things. And it's like, ideally the song is meant to transcend you from that or transcend you into one of those things. I guess if you're feeling that when you write it or out of it, whatever it may be, but getting comfortable within the moment, what it is and accepting it. And then I think that was like a big, uh, accepting that that's how it should be in that time. I think is the, is the biggest part about like performing and how the songs take on a new, uh, Life. Are you hard on yourself, like after a performance, or do you do you try do you evaluate what how it just went? I was I was uh, talking to this band called The Trues, and he was the guitar player was telling me like after a show, they're a big Canadian band. He said they'll sit down and like sort of uh, do an autopsy, like on the <laughs> on the performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tr- you know I could I can do that, and I have done that, but it's really hard because. Um, I try not to do that after a show because, you know, a lot, I feel like it's like anything. You can react really emotionally to something, you know, because you're like in this sort of heightened state. And so you can react, you can maybe overreact to something because like you can hit one wrong note and it can send you off on like thinking that the whole show was was shit, you know, and you're like, oh, or other people can do that or someone else can hit one wrong note. And then I can be like hypersensitive to like paying attention to what they're doing. And I realized that, um, you know, when you get off stage, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to hyper focus on those things. You know, I think if there's something I'll dress it in like a rehearsal or something next or during the sound check. But, um, I definitely don't come off the stage and, 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 uh, and, and start doing those things only because I think that people's, um, you know, I don't know emotionally if many people like everyone's on a different plague deal at that time. So you can't really you um, you can't you can't expect people to be um, to take that sort of criticism if it's constructive or not, because a lot of times it's not based on, you know, it's not based on maybe what um, it's not based rationally. I like the idea of when I'm not or people that I'm playing with, you know, do take some some like some liberty because it's like they have to play it in a way that is somewhat natural to them you know if it's musical and it's like the idea is there and if they play it the exact same way sometimes it becomes like well that's the way i would play it and that's the way i wrote it but it's also like confining in that way too so you know that can also that can also you can lose emotion if you play it like that and if you play it subtly different to the way that someone else maybe naturally would play it you know a little bit earlier a little bit later a little more this a little more that it's like i think it breathes more life into it and and so i try to be open to that you know i know that people are you know my band members are like i play with a bunch of people who are friends of mine who have developed relationships with for a long for a long time and creatively just outside of performance you know outside of like we do other things creative things together so i feel like there's a real there's a real band dynamic and energy there and i think that that's like to me, that's that's really important. Maybe you know more so important than having a bunch of people around who are like session people who can play it perfectly every time because because it's you know because it's not like a set band name. It's my name, but I but I do try to develop a band that actually works works in a really organic and natural creative sort of way when we perform. Look, she's going out tonight. She's 
knows not what she does She knows not what she feels She don't know if she's living or dying Her pocket's full of pills But she's colder than the coast of Maine On a slower winter's day I should cut you like she cut me working with uh, Bell and Sebastian? What did I learn? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, let's see. I, well, I, I spent some time over there for like, what was it, like a couple of months. It was like three to five months or so. And, um, uh, well, Tony Dugan is the one who produced that record. And um, I had been a, I'd been a big fan of just like um, British, you know, British music for a long time. Obviously, like a lot of the, a lot of folk, folk music and things like those, and folk rock is what sort of brought me into it. And uh, it's funny, you know. There's like, it's interesting how I could like really dive into, uh, I could dive into like these really deep cuts of like a, some sort of incredible string band record or something, <laughs> and then like alternatively. Stevie, who I got really close with, Stevie Jackson, guitar player, was just like, yeah, but do you know this, like, and, and rightly so, there are things I should know. He's like, there's this one, like, part of this, like, you know, this, like, Elvis song. He was just, like, super obsessed with Graceland, you know, super obsessed with Graceland and all these, like, Americana things, and here I am, like, full, like, like Anglophile, just, like, geeking all these other things, and I realized that it was, like, you can always romanticize, you know, you romanticize the other place, and, um, and the same thing too, when I was talking with, uh, you know, a little bit 
Stewart didn't play on the record, you know, but I got to know him through those two things as well. Not, not, not very well, but, but enough. And he was saying that, you know, he was, he was like, Oh, you're, you know, you're from California and you're out here recording this record. He goes, that's really interesting because I got my start. And this kind of ties back into our, um, into our, the way we started this conversation, but he was saying, you know, I started, um, making music here in Glasgow. And he goes, but when I came to California, I was really young and we took a road trip and people there were really like welcoming and, and also like, um, really supportive of me writing songs. And he goes, so that's what made me want to like become a songwriter and write these songs was because in California, everyone was always supportive. They're like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, do that. But he was like, back here in Glasgow, it was a little harsher. And he said, but I came back from there and then that's when I really wanted to like, you know, I realized that I can do this and, and become a, become a, you know, become a songwriter and like, you know, do this band. And then it was interesting because we're both like romanticizing the other side of it. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to record in Glasgow. And this is where like Bert Jansch, you know, was doing these folk songs. And obviously they moved to a lot of them moved down to London and things back in those days. But like, there was so much history there in Glasgow. Like I walked by um, a place where Sandy Denny did her like first, um, some of her first demos. And I would just sit there below that window being like, Oh, that's cool where that all started. But we're both romanticizing the other side of the Atlantic. And I think that's sort of a, that's kind of a, that, that, I think that was an interesting thing to learn. So I think that's why when I came back to do this record, um, I embraced my, um, you know, I was like, you know, sort of more embraced where I'm from even more, but taking all the experience I've had from everywhere. It's like that Tom Waits line where he says, I never knew my hometown until I saw it from far away. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's interesting to me because I, you know, I grew up, like I was telling you, here in Berkeley, and when I was in college, I dreamed of Manchester. I was obsessed with the Stone Roses, and that's all I could think about. Oh, cool. Right? It was like I had this romantic idea of – and I was like you. I, I was a total Anglophile. I was listening to you know, Aztec Camera, The Smiths, The Stone Roses, and I had this sort of like romantic idea of being over there. Um yeah. You know, I wasn't thinking about California as, as, as I would later on, and I didn't realize how much it was informing everything I was doing. Um, so it's interesting yeah. to, hear you, to hear you say that and that your perspective actually got richer coming back from having not been here. Yeah, and I, I loved – I mean, I loved my experience here because I was – I'm a big – I'm a big um, – yeah, I was a fan. I was a fan of their music. Um, you know, growing up as well, and throughout the years, I, I really liked Bell and Sebastian's music, and and um, and so you know, getting to um, you know, getting to work with them, and and um, and just like you know, whatever, talk about um, you know, for 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 a while, like work on music with them, and you know, go on the town, and then come back and work on music, and even like working on some other songs. I ended up doing a little bit of a side project with with them i went back and did some more tunes where we co-wrote things together which never still just like i guess it's on a hard drive somewhere now yeah i'm wondering you know when we as 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 a writer as an artist as as anything that's creative um you know we're chasing something and you you hear athletes athletes will retire and they'll say i've accomplished all i've wanted to accomplish i've won these things and i've done this and i'm going out and i'm done uh, you never really hear an artist say, 
uh, you know, they do retire, but you never hear an author or, or you know, an artist say, I've done all I wanted to do. I, you know, the only guy I heard is I heard Billy Joel, who hasn't written pop music in almost 30 years. He said, well, I think I've given people enough. Uh, and and that was his explanation. Mm-hmm. But but I wonder if the reason why you don't hear that is because we're it's it's always a pursuit, Matt, of something, and it's kind of like you get a little taste of it, and then you just keep trying to chase it again. Um, th- that's my idea of the creative process, almost like pinball, where the ball goes in the groove, and you get all those points, and it pops right back out. Yeah, yeah, it is that. I mean, I think that. Um, yeah, yeah, it is that, I, and I think that. Uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, for me. Uh, it started off as a. It started off as like, like when I when I was young and I broke I broke my leg, skateboarding, and I was always like really out. I was just like active and just doing doing stuff. I mean, I played music when I was young. As like I played trumpet in the school band, and I played. I got a guitar. You know, I did that. I played. Learned beginnings to like you know every song that i want to learn the beginning to i could play 15 seconds of um you know the intro hooks and stuff whether it's like smashing pumpkins and nirvana and pearl jam and then even you know whatever just stuff like that and um and then i think uh when i it was right before i broke my leg i got an acoustic guitar um and then i sat down once i broke my leg i was like i had slowed down and i realized that there i wasn't it was always go and extrovert or, um, yeah, like more uh, outgoing activities that were physical. And then I decided I needed to be more, uh, it forced me to be more introverted. And so I sat down with the songs. I'd always been drawn to music. It was this magical thing. I never tried to like compartmentalize parts or even like think about what was happening. I just accepted it, which is, which is a great way to like to experience music because it can really just, I feel like now I can rationalize everything. I'd be like, oh, well, there's that Moog synth there and this drum is like, you know, here's, they're doing this, these things. And, and, you know, I wasn't, you know, just think pure emotionally about a song. And so, but I sat down and was like, well, what are they, you know, why, what are these lyrics? What, what's happening in here? What's happening in these parts? And, and sitting down to figure it out. Um, then I, uh, then um, I, I, that's kind of what set me on the path to, uh, to uh, to write to start writing writing songs and also um, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah to to understand like what it was that was that was deeper in there within myself and I think songwriting like taught me that but then uh, taught me to like first off like that's the first thing that I realized like well I got to write about something and it's well I'll write about some experience but. I'm going to mask it in this like metaphor because I can, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to like put this out there myself. Like, I don't want to say that. I'm like, I have to dress it up in this other way. So I'll dress it up. And then I realize, okay, well, how are these other people dressing it up? And you learn poetry and then you like, you're like, okay, well, I want to learn how, like where this folk song comes from. So then you like go, well, you dig deep, you know, and you find these old folk songs and then you learn that like, well, the folk songs, like, they serve different purposes. This folk song serves the purpose of just being, um, you know, it's a ballad. Or this folk song has like social context. Or this folk song has is a political song, you know. Or like this other one is made for dancing. And then you realize, like, oh, you start to realize what 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 context they all serve. Like, be you know, 
you start off by yourself, but then you realize what it means to everyone. And then you realize that it's, that everything is encompassed into it. Religion, politics, um, like life and death and all those things. And then I realized, well, this is a way that I can really start to process the world. And, um, so, so I think, you know, that's what it is. It's just a way of processing the world. And I think if I didn't have that, um, I would have to find some other means of processing the world because of it. You know, I've like, I've read, you know, I've read, I've read more books because I wanted to, you know, because songs I realized were touched me in, in better way, in ways that I wanted to understand. And that the people who are writing these songs read these books and the people who wrote those books read these books and the people who, you know, all those things that send you down the path. And it's like, you realize that it's just, it just becomes your life. And, and so, um, I don't know, like if I, you know, when I was younger and I was skateboarding to take it back to that, I thought I'd always do that, you know, for as long as I physically could. And then I physically couldn't do that. And so will I always be a songwriter? Um, I, I hope so, but I can't, I don't, I don't know because maybe there'll be something that keeps me from that. And then will I have to find that in someplace else? Yeah, I will have to find that in someplace else. Will I put the same energy into it and, and those things? Yeah. Will it be hard? Cause I've like, built it up this far to be able to like tell tell my story better than I did when I or at least different than I did when I was really young yeah I think that it'd be hard to like start over again like that but I think that um every record or every song or even every life venture you take in it's like you know you have to be able to you have to start over and um that's a lot sometimes anyways I think that it's more of that. It's just like a, you know, it's just a way to process the world. But you, you, you do see that. that. I mean, you do see that because you'll see like actors who stop acting and then they they direct and the, and then they stop directing and then they just write. I mean, you do. You know, we don't we don't see a lot of that in in um, those stories aren't covered as much. But there's a lot. There's a whole uh, list of artists who change their artistic impulse and they're still creative people, but a totally different medium. Yeah, and I think that that's like. It's got to go somewhere. Nobody is. I mean, I think, yeah, is it possible to just, I don't know, at that point, you just like, what do you do? You're just going to go sit on a yacht somewhere and, and drink uh, Mai Tais or something? I don't know. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds nice for a little bit, but then it's like, at a certain point, it's like, you want to see how, you you want to know how deep the water is. Or you want to know how far off you are. See, you want to pull into port and at least like, see what, see what the people are like or something. And what are the reasons that, you create why are you somebody who um is an artist one of the reasons why i create art is because um you know everyone has their own reasons and they're all valid and things like that but i do know that i'm adopted or i am adopted and like i never have seen like you know i love my parents who raised me and they're incredible and and i feel like I've, so much of me is is them but there's also part of me that i've never seen like physically outside of myself and so i think i create these like as you know, these physical things outside of myself to like exist, you know, to exist in like it's the closest thing to blood that I think I've ever had outside of, um, you know, whatever outside of myself. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's why one of the reasons why I do it so intensely. Have you, have you pursued an interest in, in finding out about that part of yourself that you don't know too much about? Yeah, I've never pursued an interest in it, uh, but I've I've definitely humor, you know, like 
entertain the idea. You know, yeah. I think entertaining the idea is one thing. I don't, and also too, like I don't really, um, I don't know. I never really like, yeah, I don't know. I never also really disclosed that either. So I'm like, that's kind of like something where I, I feel like as I've gotten older, it's become more apparent and more important. Um, that, and um, I don't know. It's one of those things where you're like, you think, does that, um, yeah, does that, uh, does that change things when you pursue it? Yeah, it does. Does it, cha- does it change it? So, I don't know. It's like, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I, if I would. I have a lot of friends actually who have. You know, I feel like I've gotten really close to two people who were adopted, and they, uh, they were really close friends of mine, and and they had the same thing. You know, like once we had, they thought once they had kids that they would, um, that they would find it and be okay with it. But then once they had kids, they realized the connection they had with their kids and that that's what their parents had with them, or at least had to have those feelings. And then that separation that was involved in it. And then they said, well, I want to seek out my parents now because I know what that feels like and what that loss must have felt like. So I know that, um, uh, that, you know, that I've always wanted to have kids for that reason, though I don't have kids yet. Um, and I don't know if I ever will, but I want to have kids for that reason. And I, and I know it'll, it could send me down the path of that as well, like my other friends had. And they found them. And and, uh, and I've even seen them. Like I was at one reunion of one where like one of my one of my close friends like met his mom for the first time. He's 50. And he finally met her. We drove out to this wild place. And then I, you know, I watched there like seeing each other after like a 50 year separation. And so it's pretty wild stuff. I don't know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And also when you think about, you know, most of the, like a lot of people from California aren't really from California. I mean, it becomes, right. Yeah. It's sort of like the adopted, the metaphor of adopting a, a, a land and it becomes a home. Um, it, it's a really interesting way to kind of think about that where, you know, like for example, the Eagles are considered a California band, but no one in that band was from California. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I kind of meant too. When you think about like CSNY or something, I'd be like, oh, that's California, classic California sound there, or like all those things. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's interesting. It just makes me think about like what what is what are your roots? I mean, I'm I'm raised by New Yorkers, but I was born, you know, I'm I'm born in California, but my parents they came out here from New York and never went back. They landed in Marin in like December, and it was 80 degrees, and they were like, there's no reason to go back to New York. of course, so, yeah, they're right, right too. It's pretty, yeah. yeah, they're totally right. And so it's really interesting in the sense that, like, they became Cal. I watched my parents become Californians, um, yeah. though had they having never set foot here before. And it's just it's interesting where that sort of idea that home. I, I'm always thinking about what is home and what is. And I, I love what you said about your creative powers as being like as like a. Um, you said it. You said it so well, but almost like a kind of like getting in touch with your personal roots that was like the closest way you had done it and i think that oh yeah and that's the thing like you were saying as well you gotta like continue to like try and find that again and again because i think that they you know they your perception of of all that stuff is always changing you know it's always changing and that's why i think that um it, it evolves and you have that's why that's what pushes us to to um to uh to to write to do the next thing you know as you were talking about earlier um 
I think a lot of that too, like when you talked about New York or being out here, it's a very like sort of Joan, you know, the kind of like feels like a lot of that stuff like ties into these sort of like Joan Didion essay, essay quality of like what, you know, what California is too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess we all, we all have our own, you know, we all have our own thing. Like I said, I, I am from here. I was, I was, uh, you know, and, uh, and it's just like kind of what I've what I've been around, but I've but but I've been to, you know, but but playing music has like taken me, um, it's taken me all, all over the world. I've been real lucky for that reason, and and I've always found myself, you know, coming coming back here, and and strangely, I will say, um, you know, I I realized that after every record I wrote, uh, like I wrote, my, I wrote, I've written them all in different homes. They've all been California homes. I wrote the five the five records that I've written. The five, you know, whatever Matt Costa records that I've written, they were in. Uh, after every record, at a certain point, then it was like I moved on to a new home. And I actually just realized that the other day. Just, I just thought about that. I was like, well, I wrote that one in this home. I wrote that one in this home. Um, and then, uh, and so I'm a little bit nervous now, and I feel like I've got this sort of pattern, and I wonder where I'm gonna, where I'm gonna end up now. And I definitely feel that I, that shift is already happening within me in my own personal life and I and I um and I know that it's it's actually happening. It's kind of a funny thing. Like I feel like the record the record that I do you know sort of becomes a sort of becomes a catalyst in that sense. Even though uh it's almost like okay, well you're here and you kind of got got it in and put it out and now it's time to move on. And it's weird that I've done it like um emotionally and physically and artistically every time so it, and it is happening again so i don't know where i'm going to end up next hopefully it'll be you know i i, I definitely it'll be california at least uh, for the time being i might have to go uh, i don't know where it's going to be next but yeah well about that you have a great explanation though for uh, if someone says why does it take you so long to make records say well i had to pack up the house and move i had to <laughs> I did. I had. To, I did have to pack up the house and move. And uh, this one, actually, I did. You know, I've lived. I'm, I lived in Laguna for um, for four years now. And uh, my wife, she worked down. She worked down here. And um, but I, I did. I came down here and I worked on a, the documentary that was actually. But you know, a lot of the story was based here in Laguna. It was like one about Orange Sunshine and, and then Acid um, scene that was and Timothy Leary and all that here, da- actually down here in, in Laguna in the canyon and how it kind of was developed down here as far as like the Southern California, um, you know, limb of of the uh, whatever that that sort of LSD uh, psychedelic um, movement. And so I'd lived down here for not that long, and then someone came to me and. And a filmmaker who lives up in LA who'd been working on the project for about 10 years. And then he wrote it, he wrote, he, he worked it all up, filmed people and got halfway through it five or six years down the line and realized he got to the core group of who was actually the core members of this, who he could get the real, the real story from. So he just like, um, just like trashed the other stuff and started brand new. And then once he got pretty far with that, then he came to me wanted me to do a couple of songs for it and, I, and so I did and then I ended up he wanted me to score the whole thing and luckily I was like sort of I was available at the time and I was living in Laguna and as he was showing it to me um, I was, you know I could pick out a bunch of landmarks 
that were um, there. And I also felt like I sort of channeled something like that, you know, sort of spiritual here in the, in this Canyon that I live in. And so, um, so I, I, you know, I worked on that for a little bit and then, uh, and then, like I said, coming off the heels of that, then I went to do my own record. And I think that, um, so this one is an exception. I've written two records here, but only one, one of the official Matt Costa record. But that's a little bit of the story of how that other one came about. <laughs> that's cool. Like, that's really cool. I, um, uh, dude, I'm just so stoked about this record. I love it. And I, um, I'm so, I'm so happy that you wrote an album really about the, the th- selfishly, the things I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> oh cool yeah because i'm so i'm such a uh i'm so obsessed with with anything about california um especially music and so uh it really resonated for me and I, i've wanted to chat with you for a long time and it's it's cool to talk to you and i appreciate you being open about everything with me it's uh it's been a great conversation well thanks yeah i mean uh i uh, yeah i appreciate you take, taking the time to to listen to it and um and to uh yeah, and that you feel that you feel that way too. I mean, I really feel that. You know, it's one of the things when I was working on the record. I, uh, I, I, when I, when I, when I, um, when I now that I, I, you know, when I was working on it and doing the thing, and you know, I had no, um, I had no real, pers- you know, per- perspective of what, you know, if I was getting the thing uh, across that I wanted to get across, and now that I'm. You know, outside of it, outside of it, enough to step back and look at the thing. I'm holding it in my hand right now, but it's like when I look at the, um, even when I look at the the, um, the picture on the cover, there's a. I went and shot this down in the well, with my friend. My friend Davin shot it, but I I I I wanted to have the embodiment of like, uh, well, this is a, you know, this this um, there's two different versions actually. There's the the novella edition, which is a has the red fangs on it, and then there's the there's another version that has a photograph, and it's got this girl who is who is embodying Sharon and her two brothers, Richie and Tony, who are running across this overpass, and the overpass is like sort of like um, meant to be this sort of like portal, you know, kind of like where they're like transitioning in their lives, and um, and uh, and it is all that, you know. I think that the story is like we all kind of have these. Um, transitions in our in our lives, and even the the, the girl who's on the cover here, she's just um, you know she's just moved off to uh, moved off to Poland in, in her life. She she was like she grew up here, and then uh, and then she she moved off to Poland. So and and um, and uh, we all we all move in our own directions, and uh, we take a little bit of California with us wherever we go. Those of us who are from here, and those of us who come here, um, we, we become a little bit of it. So. I totally agree with that. It's interesting because like the people say, Oh, the sounds of California. Well, and you know, and they think the beach boys, but like the Minutemen and NWA and Motley Crue, oh, yeah, those are right, all yeah. sounds all of California. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Like Mike Watt. I mean, I don't know. I think Mike Watt, he's, he's, uh, he's actually more specifically the sound of San Pedro. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's a, you can like, you can really, you can pinpoint that. Uh, and so, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, there is, there, there's so much, there's, there's a lot, you know, and like I said, this is just, I mean, this is just my, you know, these are just my, um, my experiences. And, and also too, like, it, it, yeah, it, there is no like, 
that's what I mean. There's kind of no definitive thing. You come here and it becomes something once it's here. And so we can all, it does take, it does take the romanticism you have to, of other places. And those, like those things do, do make a, do make it what it is. And I'm looking at this crazy tile here in my house. I think the tile is, is really, it's really, it's really wild. Um, it's imported from the Spanish tile here that just like takes on this crazy pattern. And, um, Anyways, it's just like, I always like looking at it. I'm moving, I'm actually, as you were saying this, I'm moving from my, I found out today I'm going to be moving from my house. That's why I'm saying every time I write a record, like, so I'm looking at this thinking, and there's actually, there's so many quintessential things. Like there's a giant crack that goes right through the middle of it. And it's because it's just like during one of the big earthquakes, um, it just like the house kind of settled a little more and there's a big earthquake crack right in the middle. And I've got, um, yeah, but I have these these like really decorative Spanish tiles that cover the whole floor, that really kind of are are spectacular. And uh, but anyways, I'm just like sort of getting a little as a, kind of you caught me at an emotional time because because uh, I'm realizing that you know I've got a, there's a big transition happening for me. So. Well, there you go. One of the loveliest guys ever. That's uh, Matt Costa. Honest, thoughtful, and utterly cool. Get his record. It's fantastic. And don't just get the regular version. Uh, get the novella version. Why? Because it's an experience. That's why. And uh, and you want an experience, don't you? Uh, the interstitial parts, the new songs, uh, the extra stuff. It makes the whole thing just come together in a, uh, a lush panorama of California loss and beauty. It's a uh, stunner of a record, and it's one of the year's very best. Go to mattcosta.com and uh, pick it up. You'll also find that Matt is touring. Go see him. You'll be better for it. I promise it'll be a night of, uh, of profound pop wonder. Okay? All right. Uh, now, if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to Stereo Embers, the podcast. Subscribe to Bombshell Radio. If you're on Spotify, we're now there, too. Look for us. Uh, we're not hanging out with the cool kids or anything. We're over there in the corner, and uh, we could use some company. So come on over and uh, hang out with us on Spotify. Uh, if you want to email me, do it. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com or on Twitter at EmbersEditor or on Instagram, Embers Podcast. Okay? All right. And don't forget to go over to AlexGreenOnline.com. Uh, all the information you need to know about me is there. Uh, my books, my appearances, and the uh, funky clothes that I make by hand using only avocados and old iPhones. Trust me, they look sexier than they sound. Check it out, alexgreenonline.com. And uh, don't be a stranger to that site. We're always adding new stuff to it. Okay? All right. I'll be back next week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. And let's close things off with my favorite song from Santa Rosa Fangs. It's hard to pick favorites because it's such a brilliant record. But if hard-pressed, this would be mine. It's Pacific Grove by Matt Costa. See you next time on Stereo Embers the podcast I know you've been away for a long time it feels like 10 years or more it's got me to thinking I shouldn't have said all those things I regret even more now I'm feeling sentimental times I'm living for the past 
Pacific Road. 